Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. A reminder, coming up next week, we'll be bringing you our Christmas programming starting on Tuesday here on uh, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar with the Nick Shern Matter, along with episodes of Dangerous Assignment, Mr. Chameleon, and Dragnet. We will also be host to three other podcasters on Thursday. And I will be a guest on their programs as well next week. And for even more Christmas programming, check out The Amazing World of Radio. The episodes dropping on Tuesday, Thursday, and Christmas Eve. And the Old Time Radio Snack Wagon with episodes dropping Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over at snackwagon.net. Well, now let's get into the conclusion of this week's Yours Truly Johnny Dollar story. And we'll be bringing you episodes 3, 4, and 5 of the Sea Legs Matter from... August 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 1956. Let's go ahead and take a listen. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. You hear me? Johnny Dollar calling. This is Pat McCracken, the Universal Adjustment Bureau. What end of Hi, this... Patsy. Johnny Dollar. Johnny, what kind of a noisy hookup is this, anyway? Pat, this call is being relayed to you from an amateur radio station. Well, next time, try the telephone. From Puerto Garda, Nicaragua? Oh, now you're coming in quite clearly. Uh, port of what? It's a little spot on the Caribbean coast, the last port of call for the Sea Legs before she was wrecked. Mrs. Douglas Landfair still with you? No, and I don't know where she's gone, which is why I called. So? She acted just as surprised as I was that we both took the same plane down here. And Pat... I still don't know why she decided to come here at all. Maybe she doesn't like the idea of your going down there to investigate the case. She wouldn't admit it, of course, but that's what I think. You think she may try to obstruct your investigation? Right now, I don't know, because she suddenly chartered a small plane and disappeared. To work her way back here to the States? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Look, why don't you hire a watch on her place on Long Island? And if she shows there, call me at the Hotel Providencia. It's in the city of Bluefield. Nicaragua. Right. In any event, you think her claims for insurance on the sea legs and on Douglas Landfair are fraudulent. Pat, at this point, I don't know what to think. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location San Juan del Perro, Nicaragua, to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenditures and report of activities during my investigation of the Sea Legs matter. Pat, I lied to you during that radio contact a few minutes ago. I do think Connie Lanfear's claims for $400,000 insurance are fraudulent. Fraudulent as the very devil. But just why I think so is beyond me. At any rate, the assistant who's foisted himself on me down here is a real weirdie whose name, believe it or not, is Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pasquero. 
He rented a plane and has flown me here to Puerto Gardo, a half-baked little town on Nicaragua's east coast. Here is where a radio amateur made the last contact with the sea legs before it smashed up and sank off the Baldero Islands. And who is the operator of this ham station? Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pascaro. Such a long talker, Mr. Dollar. I, I'm cranking this generator until my arm is nearly dropping off. Well, I'm sorry, Oscar, but that contact with the States was important. Even my back is tired. Ah, I know. I'll make an expense account to you. Say, $10? You try that, and I'll fly back to Bluefields without you. Oh, please, Mr. Dollar, no joking, please. Who's joking? What, without me, you would be a lost soul in this vile country. Hey, tell me something. Why did you ever set up a transmitter in this isolated fishing village? I should set it up in Bluefields. Ah, they even wanted me to have some kind of license up there. Disgusting. And a waste of money, too. Now, that reminds me. Do you have a pilot's license? Who needs a pilot's license when those little planes practically fly themselves? Besides, a pilot's license costs money, too. Well, I have one. So from here on in, I stay at the controls. No confidence in me. No confidence in you. What a smirk and the good news. Okay, okay. Now, let's get out to that flat where you parked the plane. I want to fly over the spot where the sea legs went down. <laughs> you see how invaluable I am? Huh? Without me, you wouldn't even know where to look for the Boldaro Island. You know darn well. All I have to do is look at the charts in the cockpit of the plane. But, Mr. Dollar, that wouldn't be fair. The Balderos turned out to be only six or eight miles offshore. Two narrow little rocky islands that poked up out of the sea to keep each other company in the vast, quiet blue expanse. One of them was perhaps a mile long, and the other, just a couple of hundred yards away and stretching parallel to it, was even smaller. Sure, to a man at the wheel who was unfamiliar with these waters and without charts, the Balderos could conceivably be a menace to navigation. In the dark of the night, that is. Oscar. Yes, sir? Do you remember what time of day it was when the sea legs went down? Of course, I remember anything. Names, dates, places. Well, how about the sea legs? Of course, I was talking to her by radio. Well? Such a lovely day, too. Just like today. Why, do you know Mr. Lanter even promised to take me fishing after we finished the radio contact testing? What time? He even promised we would... Oh, uh, it was exactly 10.21 a.m. when the radio signal from the yacht suddenly cut off. You're sure of that? Yes, sir. We were talking away back and forth, and then pip, nothing. Ten twenty-one. One question, a couple of real good answers. A day like today meant it was clear and calm, and ten twenty-one a.m. and full daylight. The Balderos must have stuck out like a sore thumb. Hang on, Oscar. I'm going to make a tight circle over those islands for a closer look. You sure you wouldn't like for me to steer, Mr. Dollar? I'm sure. But if you do all the work, how am I ever going to earn the handsome restrainer you're going to pay me? Wait a minute. Yes, sir? That channel between the islands is as smooth as a mill pond. Sure, it always is, except during a storm. And so clear you can see way down into it. Oscar, I thought there were a lot of pinnacles of rocks sticking up in that channel. Oh, maybe at low tide, one or two on the east side, very shallow, otherwise like you see it now. And what's supposed to make the channel so dangerous? The current that runs through it when the tide is changing. Mr. Dollar, it's how you say, ideally. Like now, when the tide is coming in. Enough to wreck a boat like the sea legs? If the skipper wasn't watching the road, you should see how the current wobbles and squirms. Hey, look, there's a packing case down there floating around. You, you see? 
First one direction, then the other, shifting around like a crazy. Yeah. Oscar, I think that packing case is going to be a big help to us. Maybe there's something in it that might be worth money or something. Oh, stop thinking of money. Then how? We're going to see just where the current delivers that packing case. You want to know where that packing case will be ending up? That's what I said. Then steer back to Portogardo, to the beach in front of my superlative radio station. Huh? Sure. How else do you think I got all the lumber and furniture and stuff from my radio shack? He was right. From the air, we could see that every bit of flotsam passing through the Baldero Island Channel on a rising tide wound up in the tiny cove on the shallow sandbar directly in front of Oscar's radio shack. Even now, it was piled high with crates, bits of ship's rigging, odd pieces of furniture. That junk stay down there forever, Oscar? Ah, uh, no, Mr. Dollar. Once a month, a real big high tide comes along and presto. I have a clean front yard again. Uh, but I always make a trip up here before then. What do you mean? Sure, that's why I'm Nicaragua's A number one beach brusher. Oh, stop being corny. What do you mean beachcomber? So I have to brush the sand off everything I pick up down there. So you didn't laugh. What do I care? Anyhow, you should see some of the valuable things I pick up to sell to the natives. Well, tell me, two years ago, when the landfair's other boat went down... <laughs> you should have seen it. Everything that could float ended right up in my front yard. It was beautiful. How about when the sea legs was wrecked? You know, that's very funny, Mr. Dollar. There was nothing. Nothing at all. I, I don't understand it. Well, I think I do. I think I'm beginning to understand a lot of things about this case. Hang on, Oscar. We're flying back to Bluefield. Expense account item 12, 30 cents American, taxi from the private airport where we'd rented the plane to the headquarters of the Federal Maritime. I never will get that straight. Call it the Coast Guard and Captain Ramirez. Si, senor. On uh, July, the... Uh, ah, here it is. Uh, the date? And at 1021, Captain. Uh, See, si, the tide at 1021 was just after what you call uh, neap. So it was neat. It was pretty. What does that mean? Oh, shut up, Oscar. Yeah, I see, Captain. Neap tide at 940. So it was coming in, rising, huh? Yes, yes, senor dollar. Uh, rising right. up. Good. Thanks, Captain. Here, buy yourself a cigar. Buy yourself a whole box. Gracias, senor. Gracias. Come on, Oscar. Sure, Mr. Dollar. Nothing for me? Later. Come on. We're going back to the airfield. And from there, we're going to fly down the coast again. But, Mr. Dollar... And I feel so good, I may even let you fly that plane this time. For a small pittance, even? For a small pittance, even. Now, drag out your best dialect and call that taxi over here. Item 13, six bucks for the Capitan. Item 14, 50 cents taxi back to the airfield. For some reason, the fare in the old Model T went up every time I used it. Or did Oscar wink some kind of a deal with the driver that he could cut in on later? Item 15 and another 45 bucks for rental of the plane, and I'm sure it all went into Oscar's pocket, that his knowledge of the language enabled him to persuade the owner we shouldn't pay two rentals in one day. We headed south and made good time. But where are we going? Another few minutes and you'll be down to Costa Rica. What's that little seaport straight ahead? San Juan del Perro. And according to this map, it has a more than adequate landing field. Look, do you see what I see down there on it? Yeah, exactly what I hope to see. The twin of this plane. The plane in which Mrs. Landfair disappeared this morning. I land right beside it. No sooner said than my name is Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pascaro. Don't these little fields have any personnel? Ha! If they get two planes a month, they think it's a crowd. 
Yeah, but there must be somebody. There's a car back of the hangar. Good. Then we'll have transportation into town. You still haven't told me why you decided to come here. Was it because Mrs. Lantern did? That was something I didn't know until I saw that plane down there. All right, easy now. Don't land too close to it. I am in perfect control. Here we go. No, Oscar, it was a hunch. Based on the fact I remembered that the Sea Lakes was built in this town. Hey, nice landing. Thank you, Mr. Dollar. Uh, maybe a little extra bonus for such a good if job. If you don't stop talking about money, you're going to have to find yourself a... See, am I crazy? Is... Isn't there someone in the cabin on that other plane? Hey, the car, it's coming over to meet us. Hey, watch it, Oscar. That darn fool is heading right across our landing pad. Huh? Come the engine. He is, he crazy, can't he see us? Hey, swing high, but don't flip us. Come on, more throttle. It's already there. Let's straighten out. Take off. I can't. What do I do? What do I do? Let me hit those controls and hang on. Here he comes. He'll get our gear. Hang on. Oh, For a long moment, there was nothing but a vague blackness all about me, and the sound of our crack-up seemed to roll and echo almost dreamily back and forth in the deep recesses of my mind. Then, slowly, hazily, I hear... I seem to hear some of the sound. You know, like an engine far off. An engine of a plane starting up and lazily moving away. Sure, yeah, of course, I did hear it. It was the other plane, the one that had been parked on the landing strip. Then as my mind began to clear, I realized I'd seen something, someone else... I'd caught a glimpse before the car struck our landing gear of the man behind the wheel of it. A man whose picture I'd seen briefly at the home of Constant Landfair. But it couldn't be. Oh, Mr. Dollar. Am I still alive? Yeah, Oscar. I'm afraid you are. Uh, Thank you. But did you... Oh! Uh. Did you see who was driving that car? You recognize him? Uh, Look, maybe they're both dead like he is. And that's why we saw him. Douglas Lanfear? Yes, sir. Mr. Douglas Lanfear. Johnny Dollar. Alguien le llama de los Estados Unidos. Huh? Johnny? Yes. Pat McCracken, Universal Adjustment in Hartford. Oh, hi, Pat. Now listen, as you requested, I had a man sent out to Mrs. Lanfear's Long Island home to see if she'd returned. I suspicion wrong, Pat. She's still here, very much so. Will you listen? Shoot. The man was a little overambitious. Let himself into the house through a basement window. So? While he was there, the telephone rang. He wasn't crazy enough to answer it. Crazy like a fox. It was long distance from right where you are now, San Juan del Perro. And Johnny, I suspect it was from the man on whose policy she's made a claim for a quarter million dollars. Her dear departed husband, Douglas Lanford. Right. Now, if so, her claim on him, at least, is fraudulent. So see if you can dig up some proof. Brother, I have it. The man is anything but dead. Huh? It was Douglas Lanford who wrecked our plane when we tried to land here a few hours ago. Then Johnny, get him. Sure. If he doesn't get me first.
From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location San Juan del Perro, Nicaragua, to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an accounting of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Sea Legs matter. $250,000 insurance claimed by Mrs. Constant Lanfear for the death of Douglas Lanfear. An additional $150,000 for the loss of the yacht, the Sea Legs. Claim number one now proved to be fraudulent. As for number two, the claim on the yacht? Expense account item 14, $2 American. To the banana plantation worker who pulled us out of the small plane that Douglas Landfair wrecked as we tried to land. And another dollar to said plantation worker for a ride into town in his ancient truck. I must admit that this is one time that my ubiquitous assistant, Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pasquero, came in handy through his knowledge of the Spanish-Indian dialects spoken in these parts. Apparently, San Juan del Perro had once been a fairly busy little seaport. But over a period of years, the sea had slowly and exorably washed in shallow sandbars, and only a handful of small cargo and fishing boats now negotiated the narrow channels that led out to the Blue Caribbean. The town itself was scattered around a small marketplace near the docks. There were a few stone and brick buildings, including the San Andrea Hotel, but most of them were weather-beaten frame structures. An occasional aged American car kicked up the dust, but most of the street traffic was ox carts. Item 15, $2 American, to a doctor with an unpronounceable name who came to our room at the San Andre and patched us up. And about 7 p.m. he left after instructing us to spend the rest of the night in bed. Item 16, another $2 for a sumptuous dinner brought to our room. American dollars, I learned, go far in this place. Unless, of course, Oscar gets his hands on them. You should let me handle all the bills for you while you're here in Nicaragua, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, sure, and let you take a 50% commission on all of them, huh? No, thanks. Oh, but, Mr. Dollar, I'm... When the poor fellow who rented us that plane to get down here starts patching it up, my expense account is going to take a big enough beating. Have no fear. I will supervise the repairs on the plane myself. Yeah, for a small pittance. Yeah, of course. Ah. Uh, uh, what a wonderful dinner. Now, to sleep it off. Well, you sleep all you want to. I got work to do. Work? Yeah. Besides, you still haven't told me why we flew down here in the first place. I still don't understand. Listen, Oscar, a couple of years ago, Landfair lost a power cruiser off the Baldero Islands. I know. I told you I helped him and his wife and his captain get to shore. He collected $85,000 for that boat from his insurance company. I saw the boat. It was worth the $85,000. So he should have insured it for more. Maybe $100,000. Made himself a profit. A very poor businessman. Would you listen? The ease of collecting on that loss must have given him ideas. What's more he could do with some money? The parental estate was running low. Anyhow, a few weeks ago, he brings a yacht, a motor sailor down here. The sea lakes. Right. This one's insured for 150000 And his own life is insured for a quarter million. Uh-huh. Maybe he's not such a bad businessman after all. He takes the sea lakes out to the very same place where he lost the first boat. This time, he leaves his wife ashore. He and the skipper go out alone, presumably to check on some new radio equipment he's installed. Sure, we made the radio contact from my own personal sender on shore at Puerto Gardo. But the contact was suddenly cut off. I heard it. And the next thing we know, Mrs. L is back at her home on Long Island claiming a total of 400000 Well, why not if she thought he went down with the boat? Because I don't think she did. What's more, I'm uh, going to prove... Uh, of course I knew it all the time. Because if he drowned off the Boldara Islands, what was he doing here today, driving the car that wrecked our plane? Unless he was dead. And do you know something, Mr. Dollar? I don't believe it. Oscar, there was somebody in the cabin of that other plane waiting to take off with him after he smashed our landing gear. You didn't see who? No, but I'll give you odds it was constant landfare. 
Another thing. She said that when the sea legs went down, she heard it go over the radio. You said that the signal just suddenly cut off. Mr. Dollar, you don't think the yacht was wrecked at all? Not any more than I think Landfair went down with it. Then where is it? Well, I have a hunch. It's right here in San Juan del Perro. Yes, but wouldn't everybody know the boat? Oh, Oscar, one of the oldest insurance rackets in the world is to fake a shipwreck, take the hull to some obscure foreign port, dress it up a new paint and rigging, then put it to sea again. Now, why didn't I think of such a good Now, if I remember rightly, I spotted a couple of old shipyards down here when we circled the land. Uh, Yeah, sure, but there's only one that does any work. Do you know where it is? Of course I do. (laughs) You see how invaluable I am to you? Then that's where we're going right now. Uh, But, Mr. Dollar, what if you do find the boat? What do you mean? Mr. Lanfear has already flew the goose. He, he took off in that other plane after we cracked up. Look, we'll take things as they come along. Right now, while we're here, I want to look for that yacht. I saw an excellent picture of it, and I'm sure if I find it, I can identify it. And if we do find it? We will have twice the case against the Lanfears. Mr. Dollar. Mr. Dollar, I am fortunate to be working for such a sterling silver 14 carat genius for the most outstanding, intelligent instigator... Get your hands out of my pockets. There's one other thing I'd like to find. One person, unless Lanfair murdered him. Who? His one-man crew. Oh, Raymond Gonzalez. The, the same man as on the first trip. Well, if he was allowed to live through the first wreck, he was probably in cahoots with Lanfair and therefore is still around. Would you recognize him if you saw him? Maybe so, maybe not. The, the first trip, he was big and fat... The second trip, he was skinnier. He he wore a beard on his face. If he's changed again, yeah. Oh, you're a lot of help. I thought you never forgot a name or a face. But, Mr. Dollar, him I never made any money off of. (sighs) Well, come on, get into your clothes, and let's prowl around the shipyard. It was only a few minutes after eight, but the town was practically asleep. Except for an old saloon down near the docks. Quietly, so not to disturb the snoozing night clerk, we let ourselves out of the hotel and headed for the waterfront. The night was clear and moonlit, so we had no trouble finding the way. I glanced hopefully into the open door of the dockside saloon as we passed it, and I chuckled at the incongruity of the music blurring away. But of course, saw no one that... Wait a minute, Oscar. Yes, sir? At that table in there, drinking beer. Hey, can one of them be the Raymond Gonzalez you mentioned? So who can tell from here? In San Juan del Perro, there must be a hundred who are skinny and wear a dirty little beard on their face. Could you tell from close-up? Sure. What, he recognize you? So what? Well, it might not be very healthy for you. Ha! Mr. Dollar, working on an important campaign for you, my dearest friend, I would gladly lay down my life for you. For a small pittance, of course. Of course. Anyhow, how would he know I am working for you? Okay. Okay, then. Saunter in and take a look. Okay. I'll wait right here. Good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> nice weather we're having, huh? Es buen día, no? Well, 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 if it isn't my old pal, Ramon Gonzalez. Uh, how are you, Ramon? Estrajero. Me? A stranger? Why, I am one of your oldest and dearest friends. El mi amigo, remember? Salgate, estrangero. Get out. But I am Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pesquero. 
You know, there's a fine old Spanish name. Who helped you ashore that time when you... No, 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 no. no. Put down that bottle. Salga, lárgate de aquí, o si no te mato. No, no, no. Te mato. Mr. Dollar. Mr. Dollar. Yeah, I don't think they liked you to interrupt their little beer party. He threatened me with a mic. He said he would kill me. Is he Ramon Gonzalez? Who? Yeah, oh, yes, yes, I'm sure of it. You see, Mr. Dollar, he did not go down with the ship. You're telling me. Well, aren't you going to do something about him? Later, if I locate the sea legs. Cautiously, quietly, looking back over my shoulder now, we prowl through the old shipyard. And finally, led by the smell of fresh paint, I found it. The once clean white hull was painted a gaudy red and blue. And given the appearance of age, the mahogany rail and taffrail had been replaced with iron pipe. The beautiful teakwood deck painted a dirty gray. The wheelhouse had been moved, the cabin altered, even the mast, bowsprit, and general rigging changed. Stanchions, cleats, all the hardware that had once been polished bronze was now corroded or painted over. All in all, a quick, very thorough job of disguise, of change, from a graceful, expensive yacht to a rather weary-looking fishing schooner. But it was the sea legs, all right. I would never believe it, Mr. Dollar. I, I, I never would have recognized it. Are you sure? Wind your hand over the transom here. Hmm? You can feel where the lettering has been painted over. It doesn't strike a match, so I can see. Better not. Somebody... That's too late now. But do you see where the outline of the lettering is underneath this last coat of paint? Sea lakes. But it was such a beautiful boat. And now it looks like... Like a dirty old tramp. <sighs> well, what do we do now? Go back to that saloon and latch on to Ramon Gonzalez. Make him talk. Sure. Only, uh, I... <laughs> I'll wait for you. Huh? Well, he's so big and strong, Mr. Dollar, and, and that knife in his belt. Why, I thought you said you'd lay down your life for uh, Sure, sure, I... But what could he tell you that you don't already know now? Where the land first headed when they took off in that plane. Come on. Yeah, but I... Okay, you lead. Alto, senor. Uh-huh. Mr. Dollar, it's him. If you light a match to show me the way, gracias. I was afraid of that. Look, the knife in his hand. Oscar, if he makes one move to throw it, pull the trigger. Trigger? What Yo, trigger? Have I, I gun? No, 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 I swear I... But I have a couple of fists. Uh-huh. Well, let's bring him in. Bring him too, so I can question him. No, 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 no. Let, 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 let's get out of here. Please, Mr. Dollar. He, he may have a friend around. Right, Oscar, he has. And this one carries a gun aimed straight at Mr. Dollar's back. Well, well. Mrs. Lamphere. Surprised, Johnny? Johnny Dollar. This is Captain Ramirez in Bluefield. Hello, Captain. Thanks for returning my call. Oh, you are now in San Juan del Perro? Yeah. Soon you will know Nicaragua as well. Yeah, listen, Captain. I need your help. Can you get a plane down here for me? The one we brought has been wrecked. Oh, see, Senor Dollar? And if I were you, I'd come along with it. I, Senor? 
But I... A nice I chance to add to your laurels, Captain, by making a couple of arrests. Criminal? Yeah. One of them a killer. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location San Juan del Perro, Nicaragua, to Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is a final accounting of expenses and report on my investigation of the Sea Legs matter. Expense account item 18, $1 American. Phone call to Captain Jose Ramirez of the Federal Maritime... I still can't spell it. Call it the Coast Guard. But a lot of things happened before I could make that call, like the fast plane trip that we made to San Juan del Perro in the hope of finding the yacht, the Sea Legs, despite a big insurance claim based on its alleged loss at sea. Like the fact that our plane was wrecked for us by one Douglas Landfair, despite a big claim based on his alleged death at sea. Like our discovery of the yacht, carefully altered and repainted in an old shipyard. Our discovery of Ramon Gonzalez, a member of the crew who was supposed to have gone down with her. Mr. Dollar, let's get out of here. Oh, no, Oscar. Not until I revive this Gonzalez character and make him talk. You but he may have a friend around. Quite right, Oscar. He has. Huh? And with a gun and straight Mr. Dollar's back. Well, well. Connie Lanfear. Surprise, Johnny? Not particularly. Stand still. I won't hesitate to pull this trigger. No, no, I guess you wouldn't. So you found the sea legs. Did Oscar help you? Oh, then you're familiar with Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pasquero. Ask him, the chiseling money grabber. Please, please, how can you say such a thing about such a Oh, shut up, Oscar. Thank you. Nice job you did of disguising the sea legs, Mrs. Lanfear. If Oscar hadn't shown you where to find it, my husband and I would have it out to sea again. A new clothes under a new flag. Oh, yeah, sure, one of the oldest games in the business. And in the meantime, you would have collected $150,000 on its supposed loss. In addition to a quarter million on your husband, Douglas. Why did you have to come along, Johnny? I'm afraid you asked for it when you filed your claims. $400,000. We had to. We were in trouble. Oh, sure, because you spent every nickel you could get your hands on. No. We inherited the estate. I told Douglas that oh, we should yeah, try to... Oh, yeah, sure. All his fault. It's true. Well, that ain't the way I heard it. And I don't intend to believe it any more than I believe a couple of things you told me on the plane down here. You don't understand. Nobody has to lie. Remember how you sobbed as you told about the last radio contact with your husband when, as you put it, you could hear the rocks grinding away at the hull and the water pouring in overside as he desperately fought for his Johnny, life? Johnny, please. Well, I heard it a little different from Oscar here. The radio signal was suddenly cut off. That's all. No fancy sound effects, nothing. Oscar told you that? And what rocks, by the way, that smashed the sea legs? I flew out to the Baldero Islands and tried to find them. They were as non-existent as the wreckage that should have washed ashore on the Baldero Current. I'm beginning to see some things, Johnny. The mate or skipper or whatever you want to call him, who was supposed to have been with your husband, had been lost with a boat, Ramon Gonzalez. Well, as you can see, he wasn't quick enough when he attacked us here a minute ago, and I had to get a little rough with him. Johnny! As for your having a gun pointing at my back, stop kidding, Connie. You know more Johnny, gun- look out! Kill me! He was going to kill him, Mr. Dollar, but uh, you were too good for him. Well, a lot of help you were. That his knife? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, here. Uh, I think I'd better have it, Oscar, because, well, I see Connie Lanfear made a hasty exit from the sea. She did? Well, what do you know about that? You didn't see her leave? Well, it's so dark in this old shipyard, and I was so worried about you, dear Mr. Dollar. Why, why don't you You should be. Plenty worried. 
Well, look, why don't we get out of I this? needed only two things when I came down here, Oscar. Proofs, both of them. Why don't we get out of this dreary place, Mr. Dollar, and talk someplace else? Somewhere there's light. Oh, and... shut up and listen. Thank you. I found them both now. Proof that Douglas Lanfear never died in the wreck of the sea legs, and proof that the sea legs was never wrecked at all. Except for a couple of details, the case is closed. One of those details is you. Me? Oh, you mean paying me for all the invaluable help I've been... Oh, how nice. I'll take it in 20... Oscar, I'm going to lay the cards right on the table. And the money? I'll find the table. Now, listen to me. Connie Lanfear slipped away during our little ruckus here. But you could have stopped her as easily as you could have stopped this Gonzales character from jumping me. But she, she said she had a gun. A bluff. She didn't. But you did. Me? Oh, Mr. Dollar, I was I spotted that bulge under your left arm the minute you appeared in my hotel room that first morning. Well, don't reach for it because I'm carrying one, too. Mr. Dollar, dear, I don't understand... Well, I do now. I've wondered from the beginning just why you insisted on sticking so close to me from the minute I arrived here in Nicaragua. All right. I will tell you the truth, the whole truth, even if it costs me a small, slight percentage of the munificent fees you're going to pay me for the unesteemable assistance I have been giving you. Oscar, you just won't give up, will you? The money. That's what it is, the money. Like I get from all the Americans who come here to Nicaragua. Only from you it was not for sightseeing, guiding, but for all the help. Like, for instance, the money you've been getting from the landfears... I cannot tell a lie, Mr. Dollar. I did get some money from Mr. and Mrs. Lanthier, you know, for various and Sunday services when first they came here. But why not, including the use of my radio sender? You see, if I hadn't known, they would pay me well for the using of my radio. Your unlicensed radio. My unlicensed radio, because a license costs too much. Why, I would never have been able to know about the wreck that didn't happen and so skillfully lead you to the Baldara Islands and all the clues that, that I... Well, you know what I mean. What you really mean, Oscar, is that you expected a lot more from them if their crazy plan to collect on the insurance policies worked out. You sure? Because no, no, Mr. Dollar. No, I was only trying to help you. Think, Mr. Dollar, about all the things I've told you about. You were careful not to tell me a single thing that I wouldn't have learned anyway. Oh. Mr. Dollar, Why did you insist me. right off the bat that we fly to Puerto Gardo, for instance? Why, of course... Apparently to help me for a small pittance, of course. <laughs> but actually, it was to keep me out of the way while Constant Landfear made contact with her husband here in San Juan del Perro. No, please, I... No doubt you I, worked that all out with her before I, you busted in on me that first morning. Then when we did get to Puerto Gardo, trying to prevent me from spotting the current would have taken any wreckage from the islands and washed it ashore on the sandbar at Puerto Gardo. If the sea legs had gone down. That, that, that isn't... No, no, no. I, I told you about that strong current that Larry then too. Sure you did. But only because you realized at that point that I couldn't help finding out about it anyway. Mr. Dollar, you're making a crook out of making me. Making a crook, have you? Well, I had this little item, Oscar. When we started to land our plane and Douglas Lanfair came at us with his car, you know as well as I do that you could have avoided it. Kept us from snapping off our landing gear and crashing. Oh, oh it was nicely done, too. So that you wouldn't get badly hurt, but still be up and around to collect from Lanfear for it. Oh. Oh, Mr. Dollar, how can you even implicate such a horrible thing? You, my dearest, my undying Because slender. of your little suggestion along the way that I unfasten my seatbelt and relax while you, I notice, kept yours tight. Oh, One thing I... after another. Oh. And finally, of course, armed as you are, you not only let Gonzalez attack me, but you let Connie Lanfer escape as well. And all for money. Money. That's all you've talked about. 
How did you figure to collect for all this? All right. It's true. It's true. All my life in every country in the world I've been... Whatever I have done has been because I love money. But I, I swear it, Mr. Dollar. I would have never let them kill you. Because I do like you, Mr. Dollar. I, I almost... Even with all the money I could get from them, I almost gave it up. Yeah. For whatever you could get from me. Yes. And because you're such a nice man, I... I guess I'm not used to being around nice... Mr. Dowell. Well? Mrs. Lanfield. What about her? Don't be too hard on her. It was all his doings. He had such a strong hold over her. The way he treated her, sometimes I almost thought she wished he had gone down in the wreck of the boat. What are you talking about? She's still in it. Because by now she's so far in, she has to stick with him. Don't you see? Oh, yeah, I suppose that does make sense. All right, what else? That's all. I have opened up my whole entire heart. (sighs) Well... Mr. Dollar, for once in my life, I'm telling the truth. I thought maybe I could persuade you to pay me more than they could. Then I could be on your side, on the good side, just for once. But now I, well, I guess I can only beg for your mercy. One thing you haven't told me, where Douglas Lanfear is. You must know. Well, do you? Yes. Well? For maybe enough of a small pittance to get out of this country. Can't get over it, can you? Well, you haven't much of a choice this time. You will help me maybe just a little bit if if I tell you. We'll see. I'm leaving on my hope, Mr. Dollar, so I will tell you. Mr. Lanfieri. Mr. Lanfieri is right here. Uh And well-armed Oscar, ready to blow your brains out for what you just told this nosy insurance investigator. Be careful, please. Mr. Dollar, he, he has a gun. Yeah, I see. So have you, Oscar. Yes. Yes, I have. Careful, Oscar. And if it is the last thing I do, the man who got me into this is going... Oh, no, you don't! No, no, no! No! So, it was after that I called Captain Ramirez of the Federal Maritimes. Eh, someday I'll learn that word. And let him take charge. Extradition proceedings for Connie are underway. The U.S. courts will have to take over with her. And Doug Lanfear's body is being shipped to the States. Oscar's body? Well, I left some money with Captain Ramirez for a decent burial. Expense account total? $841.95. Remarks? I wonder what kind of a deal Oscar Patrick Vladimir Pascaro was able to make at the Pearly Gates. Or wherever he was headed. And you know something? I kind of hope it was a pretty... Well, at least I hope it wasn't too bad a deal. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Next week, the promise of romance in the arms of a lovely girl. And the threat of a knife in the back. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote this week's story. Heard in our cast were Harry Bartell, Lawrence Dobkin, Virginia Gregg, Harley Bear, Don Diamond, and Russell Thorson. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Johnny Dollar has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Welcome back. Such an interesting story. The timing of the phone call for the final episode was a bit wonky, but other than that, I thought this was a good serial. And Oscar is yet another memorable Jack Johnstone character. And I have to say that anyone who had listened to the first four episodes out of curiosity when the fifth had not been in circulation would be very surprised by the ending. Throughout the story, Johnny played things close to the vest, and so did Oscar. What Oscar did was really obvious only in retrospect, so it was a great twist. And as for Oscar, this is an interesting story because throughout the uh, series, he's mostly a comic character until that last scene where the mask drops and you really get that moment where you get to see a little bit of the truth about Oscar. And his death at the end is tragic, shocking, and really unexpected. It hit me harder than I expected. Uh, to me, I think it speaks uh, to Johnstone as a writer and his view of humanity. Yes, some people may have things about them that are amusing, or they may be a bit of a rascal or a rogue, uh, or however you might view uh, them as people. But at the end of the day, they are people with real hopes, aspirations, and dreams. And he creates these really large characters who have hidden depths and shows us that there's more to them than their outlandish exterior. And I think that we're left with a lot of questions, too, about Oscar Patrick Vladimir Poscaro at the end of the story and why he was the way he was. So I think it was definitely very well-constructed and written from that character's 
perspective. Though I do have to say Oscar's I would have never let them kill you stance doesn't quite jive with letting Johnny go into the crash with his seatbelt unbuckled. We should probably also give Pat McCracken an award for corporate euphemism when he described a detective breaking and entering into an insured person's home as ambitious. I'll say... Well, listener comments and feedback, and we've got comments on multiple serials, so I hope no one gets lost in all of this. But we'll start out with a question from St. Winston on YouTube regarding the Longshot matter. Who was the famous Daryl referenced at the beginning? Well, I can only guess. I wasn't 100% certain, so I didn't tackle it on the serial. But if I had to guess, I would say they might be referencing Daryl Zanuck. Zanuck had been the studio head at 20th Century Fox for 12 years. He resigned pretty suddenly in 1956, so the year this serial was released, and went to Europe to independently produce films. And it definitely raised some serious problems in terms of 20th Century Fox struggling to be successful after Zanuck's departure. Now, checking out newspapers.com, Zanuck's resignation appears to have been in February, and the serial was released in the summer. And even in a pre-24-hour news cycle, that would seem to be old news to have it referenced. But the main thing I can think of. Uh, it would be appropriate given that the story was set on the West Coast in and around Los Angeles. And the inclusion of the reference at the start may also be a testament as to when Tony Barrett started writing the script. But, again, that's a guess. If anyone has an idea at, and you think, no, nah, it wasn't Daryl Zanuck, or there was reason why Daryl Zanuck would be top of listener's mind as late as the summer of 1956, uh, do let me know. And then another listener on YouTube comments uh, regarding something in the Shady Lane matter. Real radios glow in the dark? Question mark. I remember when I was a kid, my grandfather had an old AM RCA radio in the garage. And when you turned it on, you could hear the electricity popping and smell the ozone coming off of it. Uh, I have very limited experience with that type of uh, radio, but I think I do know what you're talking about. And then Eileen commented regarding the modest touch matter, and she writes, My husband was disappointed if the killer really did qualify for that shooter's association. They, a.k.a. Johnny and Buster, would not have survived that horrendous ride when they were being shot at. He knows the qualifications for that group. Well, thanks for the comment, Eileen. And that's a fair point. There was a book I read a few years back uh, called 400 Things Cops Know. It was written by Adam Plantinga. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And one of the things he said in there is that generally criminals are not good shots, particularly when compared to the police, because the police are required to put in a certain number of hours with their weapon on the firing range. And criminals, for various reasons, do not do this. As a rule, obviously, there are exceptions. So you can... 
realistically have criminals missing all over the place. But if you make a point of giving a criminal character these serious shooting certifications, then having them miss our hero all over the place, like, what is the point? I mean, so the arrow can say, well, she would have got me, but a trusty plot armor saved me. Of course, Johnny Dollar's not alone in doing that. I mean, if you follow these programs, whether radio or television or whatever, you would think that having these shooting certifications means absolutely nothing. Now, of course, if you're writing that sort of story and you've got that sort of villain who's, who's put in the time and effort to become an expert shooter, you just can't have the hero win because the villain... Uh, keeps missing inexplicably. I mean, that's just silly. And then finally, on Instagram, have a comment from 4630 Open Station. I really enjoy Johnny Dollar so much. Thanks for putting these together. Makes my week. I drive tr uh, truck delivering feed. Well, thank you so much and keep on trucking. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to James, Patreon supporter since October 2022. Currently supporting the podcast at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, James. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you're enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back on Tuesday with the start of our Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Christmas cereal. But join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet, where... The elevator, yeah. Cigarette? No, thanks. You? Yeah, okay. Thanks. Down this way. Let me show you. To the left. A window up ahead there. Yeah, this one. I don't see anything on the windowsill. It's on the outside. Open the window and let me check. Yeah. Let me see here. Ben, grab him. He's trying to jump. Hey, get back here. Get I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.